Welcome to Insights, the podcast from Haley Marketing built to help you with your recruitment and digital marketing. Whether we're talking about marketing trends or what's working right now for staffing and recruiting firms across North America, we're here to share our insights on how you can stand out, stay top of mind, and sell more. Let's get to the show. What's up? This is Brad Biley, and welcome back to another episode of Insights, the podcast built to help you with your recruitment and digital marketing. As always, I'm joined by Haley Marketing's Director of Recruitment Marketing. He's Matt Lozar. Matt, how are you feeling this week, buddy? We're doing well, Brad. How are you? I am fantastic, Matt. How's everything going in your world? It's going well, quickly. I mean, the old adage that time flies when you get old. I mean, I'm not even that old, but it just feels like, wow, this is like March already, and wow. Feels like we just we're just counting down the ball. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I have a, an angry rant as we get into insights here. Sure. I know that you, in talking to you quite frequently about this, are not a fan of fake spring. We oh. are in the middle of fake spring in Buffalo, <laughs> New York, and I am mad online about it. We got punched in the mouth this week. It was fifty-five degrees. I believe actually the twenty-four hour temperature change I saw was thirty-four degrees in the neck down. It went from mid fifties to twenty when we woke up, and that's why Brad's mad. We went from my sump pump barely being able to hold on for dear life and absolutely just pumping water out of all areas to being frozen in seventeen minutes. Waking up from grass because it <laughs> rained and melted to six inches of snow was baffling, and I for one am not here for it. Home ownership's tough. It's it's not all it's cracked out to be at times, but you know, that's enough home ownership with problems with Matt and Brad, and let's jump into uh, digital marketing. Let's get to the show. Matt, it's time that we set realistic expectations with our marketing. I have a bit of a case study. We're not going to share names. We're not going to share any sort of information, but I overheard a conversation at Haley Marketing this week as our team was trying to troubleshoot some client challenges. And we had, a, a, and this has come up more than once, a client who expected 300 applications from some marketing tactics that we were deploying. And while that might seem like a good goal, a good quest, a good objective, frankly, it's too big. It was too big of a number, and it's something that we can't tangibly reach. And the lesson, Matt, in all of that was that it wasn't so much that we can't achieve applications from the tactics we were deploying, because we certainly can. We can get applications from what we were doing. And I don't, again, don't want to get into the specifics. But Matt, I want to talk about setting realistic expectations with our recruitment marketing and with our marketing. Matt, I'm sure you see it all the time. When you're investing X dollars on a site like Indeed, X dollars on ZipRecruiter, there's an expectation. How do you educate the individuals you're working with on what that expectation should be? You have to look at market data to determine what an application cost should be. If we're talking about applications is basically what we're looking at here in the recruitment side. And if you invest easy numbers, $1,000 into healthcare, it's going to bring a different amount of applications than $1,000 into industrial staffing. The, the market rate is just higher for a healthcare application than a, a warehouse application. Are there things you can do to try to beat that market rate? Sure. Can you spend smarter? Of course. But 
if you're investing $1,000, you can only squeeze so much out of that and your goal needs to be smart. We've talked smart goals on Insights before. Let's talk about it one more time, Matt. A smart goal is specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. And for sake of this segment, I think achievable is really the key word there. You can have that. Yeah. Go ahead, bud. A&R, we failed. Correct. If you think through having an expectation, a goal, I want to be a $10 billion organization, but you're just turning a million dollars, that is a lofty goal, right? But we can break that down. Same with applications. If you're only getting 10 applications a week from a site like Facebook, having a goal of 300 overnight certainly is not realistic. It's not achievable. So we can break that down and we can say, okay, if you're getting X, we have this benchmark. What does the new goal become if we deploy X, Y, or Z? And I think that's the critical element, Matt. It's saying, okay, here's where we're at. Here's our benchmark. What is our smart goal based off of where we're already at? What specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound stamp are we trying to put on this goal for you to hit? And how can we get there? The, the marketing isn't going to be a magic wand. It can help. It can help together. One tactic can work well. Three tactics probably work better together. And if you are looking for more results on a social media platform, Facebook, for example, could the marketing the marketing company probably has the expertise, the knowledge, the systems, the process to do that a little bit faster. It could also be internally. I'm sure these conversations happen at companies where the marketing team is looking to get dollars from a chief financial officer, CEO, CEO, however your company structured. And what's my return going to be? It's not going to be, hey, I'll give you a thousand dollars. I want a thousand applications. You need to push back and say, here's the math. If we're going to put, if we want a thousand applications, this is what one unit, a widget, cost times a thousand. That's how it has to be smart and be realistic for your goals. Because yeah, I'd love to say I have the application tree in my backyard, like the money tree, but we don't. We can't just create, I mean, we can create applications, but not going to be the quality you want. So if you want decent applications to consider for your open jobs, the the goal has to be smart and your formula to achieve that goal needs to be rooted in realistic data. It's all about realistic. It's all about realistic expectations. Where are you currently at? Where were you at last year? Where were you at the year before? What has that annual year over year progression, percentage progression looked like? Where do you expect to be at the end of this year? How can you break that down but have realistic expectations with your marketing, with your recruitment marketing? I think that's critical. And as you're sitting here listening, saying, you know, we're deploying a bunch of marketing for our organization. The goal is more applications. We have thousands of applications that we want to achieve. We have a realistic number. We have maybe an unrealistic number. I would challenge you to think about what that goal is and how you might be able to break that down into something that is achievable realistic, and time-bound. Matt, let's talk about writing captivating job descriptions. You just put out a blog on recruitmentmarketers.com about how to write captivating job descriptions. And you said, Brad, let's talk about it on Insights. So Matt, I'm going to softball it to you. What do we need to do to be better at writing job descriptions in 2022? This was an update from um, a post I did 2019 that actually received a lot of traffic over time. And it's been three years. A few things have changed. So we wanted to update it. And it went out in our recruitment marketing newsletter this month. If you'd like to sign up, let us know. It's the ultimate guide to job descriptions in 2022. And the basic principle 
which we talk about a lot on insights, a lot of our basic principles don't really change. And in job postings, it's what's in it for me. What's in it for me, the job candidate. That I don't think will ever change. We never say never, right? But that basic principle is always going to be there. It's what's in it for me. When, I, when I'm searching for a job, that's what I'm looking for. I'm going out there to find out why Matt should search for a new marketing job. Why Matt should go to Brad, you know, why is this job better than the one I have right now? That's step one. I, I love that idea. I love a I love a nice executive summary at the top of a job description, job listing that says, hey, here's what we think you'll find value in. Here's why we sh- you should join our team. Here's why you should take this role. It, if you're already a welder, here's why you should be a welder for our organization. If you're already a marketing strategist, here's why you should be a marketing strategist for our organization. If you're already a recruiter, here's why you should recruit for us. Sell the role, sell the job, sell it to the candidate. Matt, what else? I always like to then, you know, that's the basic overall principle, but then let's go top down a little bit. It's the job title. It has to be what people are searching for. It has to be what users are going to Indeed, to ZipRecruiter, to LinkedIn, to Google, to wherever they're looking for jobs and typing into that search bar and clicking enter. That's what you want to tailor your job title and parts of your job description around. It's like writing a good blog post. You don't want a keyword stuff, but if you just write a really good piece of content, the job posting in this instance, it's going to naturally flow. Yep. So you want to put warehouse worker and not boiler operator. You don't want to put the very, very specific job because someone's not going to, a candidate's not going to indeed in searching for that hyper-specific job title. It's actually something we're looking at on the healthcare side. Sure. I don't have the data, but a RN, comp, you know, one of our staffing agencies on the RN side, we really coached and worked together to almost always in every job title having registered nurse. Okay, And then it could be dash ICU, dash med surge, dash outpatient. But that's all healthcare nurses, that's all nurses are searching for on the job board. They're typing in registered nurse and then searching. They're not typing in something very exotic. So start at the top and really use data to leverage what the job titles should be in your advertisement. Those job boards are incredibly competitive. And if you think about it, sort of like the your inbox in, in email marketing, what could someone to open up email? A really captivating email subject line. What could somebody to look at a social post? A really captivating piece of social copy. Before you even get to the job description, you need to win the battle for attention in the job title. And as Matt's saying, it needs to be something that somebody wants to click. It needs to speak to them. It needs to captivate their attention because there has to be a billion RN jobs listed on Indeed. Matt, you might know the number. I don't know the number offhand, but there's got to be a ton. Why would somebody click yours instead of somebody else's? How can you sell the job in the title? Matt, what else when we think about job descriptions? The other one, I know this isn't for all staffing, but if you have remote jobs, you have to flaunt it. You have to make it well known. You know, Indeed shares some great data. Before the pandemic, 2.5% of job postings contained remote terms. Okay. End of 2021, that number is up to 9%. Wow. That's an enormous increase. Yeah. On the other side, job seeker searches, 1.9% of searches were remote focused in 2019. By the end of 2021, 5.6%. Wow. Those are almost doubled, that one. So you have to put it in your title. You have to put it in the opening of that job posting, what's in it for me. 
and really flaunt it. The the data I have as a case study in this blog post is a professional staffing company, admin accounting down in Florida. Their remote jobs, their cost per application was 28% lower than non-remote jobs. The reason was the conversion rate. Their cost per click was exactly the same. But conversions on non-remote jobs were 11%. Conversions on remote jobs were 15%. That's what people wanted. It cost the same amount for me to get Brad Biley's click of 20 cents or 21 cents, but it was 52 cents cheaper to get him to apply for that remote job. So remote is still very popular. I think I just read a story in the headlines. New York City wants to get their workers back to work. I think the mayoral office or someone and the workers were like, no, we're not coming back. Yeah. So it's it's interesting, but people, there's a segment of workers that like working remote. I, I think that segment's going to just continue to grow. I think as people see the opportunity, as organizations realize that you can get better talent from outside your local area, your zip code, I think people are going to realize that that remote work opens up and, and more people can apply to your jobs if you open up the, the you know, pool of candidates. Um, Matt, is it still important to add things like salary, to add benefits, to add the the extra, let's call them monetary, you know, reasons to join a new job? Always means salary gets someone to open a job posting. That's number one. Hey, what am I making tonight? What can I make tomorrow? That's big part. Um, AppCast just put together a benchmark report. And, you know, they always talk about putting benefits in there. I think three is at least the number you want to include or where you start to see some good results. But the basic benefits, healthcare, um, PTO, 401k, those areas. In the direct hire world, there's a lot of crazy benefits out there right now. I saw, you know, the four-day work week starting to become big. The the pet insurance option is becoming a differentiator because, I mean, Haley Marketing, we have so many people with pets. You know, some companies are offering that now to new hires. It's it's really interesting to see what's what's happening out there. And the, all those benefits, that's what's in it for me at the end of the day. It's simple. That five-letter acronym, which is weird to say, WIFM, but W-I-F-M, I had to think about that, is a great acronym to remember. At the end of the day, we're putting great people to work and great opportunities, and we need to attract great people. Great people are captivated by things that speak to them. Maybe the passive candidate is somewhat happy, but they're looking to be a little happier. And if your job description, title, salary, the compensation, the benefits can entice them to click and apply, well, now you've taken somebody from a passive candidate to a somewhat active candidate. Matt, I'm sure there's people listening saying, you know, we don't test any of this stuff. We've ran the same description, we run the same job title. We don't include salary because we're afraid to share it. What would you say to those individuals, people that just, you know, are sort of stuck in their ways, stuck in the way of, we have a job description that we copy and paste every single time we're looking for a welder. Where do you get started? Because changing all of those variables seems like a lot to do overnight. I'd start at the top, you know, look at your job titles. That's the easiest place to start. Do some testing there. Conduct some research on Indeed Hiring Insights, Career to Builder Supply and Demand Report, Google Search Trends. See what people are searching for. Then test it. You know, test the warehouse worker versus the general laborer. See what happens. Um, job descriptions, templates are great internally. I see that with a lot of companies. Try to create a template 
that helps people because the job description that comes over from your client isn't what you want to post on the job boards. That's a job description. It's not a job advertisement. It's not a job posting. It's it's what I do every day. That's not exciting. It's information and research we do at Haley Marketing for our job advertising clients. We do a lot on the salary research side. We do a lot on the job title side. We'll provide guidance on job descriptions. We don't write them, but that's how our team can help. But it's it's tactics you can do internally. You need to have a really good process and stay true to it, especially with the job description templates, because I know staffing agencies have a lot of postings and a lot of openings, and it can be work to, if you get 10, 20 new openings every day, I don't even know how many there are, that's a lot of work to have to refine that 50 to 100 postings a week. That sounds like a lot. So what can you do to accelerate that process and make it simpler for your team? If you have questions, if you want Matt to take a look, you want our recruitment marketing team to take a look at what you're currently doing, if you want somebody to run a recruitment marketing audit for you or think through your strategies, think through what might work best for you and your staffing or recruiting firm, I would encourage you to reach out to Matt on LinkedIn or email info at HaleyMarketing.com to get in touch with our team of marketing educators. I'll speak for Matt here. I know he loves talking about recruitment marketing, and I know that he'd be happy to chat with you about your current challenges and how Haley Marketing might be able to assist you with your recruitment marketing efforts in 2022. Matt, I came across a great article on staffing industry analysts that I had to bring to the show. And I know I sent it to you ahead of recording. This was published on February 18th. The title, 60% of light industrial businesses struggling to keep up with increased demand. Staff retention, a hurdle. I'm going to read a little bit of an excerpt from the article. Again, this was published by Staffing Industry Analysts on February 18th, 2022. The article goes on to read, 31% of survey respondents reported having to, go, having to forego business in 2021 due to lack of workers, and 39% they are focused on hiring new staff, while 72% increased pay as part of staff retention efforts. The average raise was $2.54 per hour for most light industrial hourly full-time staff. Looking ahead, fewer than 50% of surveyed companies are investing in flexible scheduling and career development, despite those being top requests from workers. Matt, when we think about retaining top individuals, when we think about retaining light industrial candidates, it feels to me like they're telling us what they want, and it feels to me like a whole lot of people aren't listening. I think you're right. It That's a pretty impactful article, survey, data. It's showing, you know, the industrial workers are telling us the three things they want. And it's a challenge because it's a disruption. It's a disruption to the way business was done a couple of years ago. And salaries, I mean, $2 plus salary raise is huge when you're starting at a lower hourly rate. It's because wages have risen across the board, not just in staffing, but uh, hospitality, food service, a lot of those con- similar jobs have ways raised wages and you have to keep up. But I think the the flexible schedules is hard just because it's it's a challenge to continue to do that. Um, it's tough when opportunity growth because those warehouse jobs aren't always viewed probably as jobs for growth. But if people, that's how you can differentiate and get the best. If you say, hey, I'm going to pay you a lot. I'm going to give you a flexible schedule. And we'll help you become a manager in X amount of time or create some other skills. You're going to get the cream of the crop. So I understand why it's difficult to make flexible scheduling. Production lines need to work. Assembly lines need to work. Things in warehouses need to run. Machines need to run. I get it. But 
when we're already struggling to find top talent, when we're struggling to find individuals to go to work, I feel like we got to listen to them. And I feel like we need to listen to the ones who are showing up for work if they're telling us what's going to get other people to show up for work. When we think about raising salary, $2.54 an hour, that's a good start, right? We think about raising the industrial hourly salary. That's good to know. And if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're, you have clients who are reluctant to increase salary, I would show them this data. I would show them this report and say, it's going to be very hard for us to find top talent if we're not matching these salaries, if we're not matching this data point, because this is what other people are paying. And if we're not paying this, they're going to go somewhere else, despite how good your organization might be, despite how good our recruiting efforts are going to be. They're going to go for more money. I mean, $2.50 an hour, multiply that out by a week. It's a good chunk of change. We need to be competitive. Adding to that, we need to think about flexible scheduling and we need to think about career development. We need to be able to coach and be career coaches to our talent. I know the staffing shark, Richard Rosner, who was on the podcast a little while ago, who I had the opportunity to meet at Colorado Staffing Association. Richard, if you're listening, shout out to you, buddy. Hope you're doing well. He likes to think of himself as a career coach, as a career agent. He wants to put people to work in great opportunities and be their coach, be their agent to not only place them, but then develop them and coach them to their next opportunity. Are you doing that for your talent or are you placing Brad Biley, the associate on a production line and forgetting about him? How can you change that? How can you flip that script so that you're not constantly hiring, revolving, being that revolving door, but instead you're working to get person A into a role, into their next role, into the next next role, and then going from there. Flexible scheduling is interesting for me. We have quite a few clients who are experimenting with the, you work when you want to work. Let us know if you want a Saturday shift. Let us know if you want a Sunday shift. Let us know when you want to work and we'll work around your schedule. That's competing directly with Uber Eats. That's competing with Grubhub. That's competing with Instacart. And that's what staffing firms need to do. If I, Brad Biley, only want to work on a Saturday afternoon because my wife's going out to dinner with some friends for three, four hours, and I think I, I can make another 80 bucks if I go to work, 60 bucks if I go work in a warehouse or I go deliver for Grubhub, maybe I'll do it. Are you doing that? Are you giving your candidates the opportunity to do that? If not, they're going to go to Grubhub. They're going to go to Instacart. I have a funny story about the scheduling. I was talking to a um, someone who works at a state staffing association. She was talking. She was doing some client check-ins. The client told her they have machines that have to stay on pretty much every day. I think they close for twelve hours a week for cleaning, etc. And candidate took the job, shows up twenty minutes late in the first day. Problem because you can't leave the machine unattended. They ask him, and he's just like, what, "Like we need you here at eight o'clock, not eight twenty, whatever the time was." And He's like, well, I just can't get here in time. It was it was an interesting way to see maybe the schedule has to be flexible somehow. Like, how can you adjust your scheduling to help meet the candidates that can show up? I mean, tell me that was because he had to get a kid on a bus or he had to get somebody somewhere. Like, I can't get, I physically can't get to you by eight o'clock. Otherwise, my whole life is in shambles. Like, I want to work for you. I want to be here, but you need to work with me a little bit. And I got to start at eight twenty instead of eight o'clock. And I can stay 20 minutes later, and I promise you the production line is not going to completely fall apart. You can find somebody else to cover for 20 minutes. We have to treat our employees, our job candidates, like customers. It's something I've been thinking about, and it feels like it's going to be a big push of mine here in 2022. Like, send them the thank you note. Don't wait for it from for them. They have candidates have leverage, and with people going back to work, unemployment is pretty low. Labor force participation rate slowly increasing, but 
if all these open jobs, we what can you do to meet the needs of your candidates? The report here that Brad shared is literally giving you the game plan. How can you use that game plan to your advantage to be a first mover advantage in your market to keep your office open, to accept the work, and to keep the shifts you got to do what's best for the candidate. And right now we are very much struggling to find top talent. We're struggling to find candidates. I hear it every single day in working with clients and working with the team. We just had an, a consulting class with our entire team here at Haley Marketing to talk through struggling to find great talent in two different industries. And we brainstormed as a team of 60 how to find candidates in two very specific markets. It's very difficult. It's more difficult when clients are finding talent and then they're not being retained because of you know things discussed in this article. So what we need to get back to is making sure that we're treating the candidate with respect. We're doing everything that we can. Matt outlined a couple great ways to get individuals to apply. We talked about job descriptions. We talked about that on the show. We've, we've talked on insights countless times on what you can do from a marketing standpoint to get more people to apply. But at the end of the day, it comes back to that human touch and it comes back to being human. It comes back to being empathetic and it comes back to just having a good conversation with the individuals that you are working with to make sure that you're doing everything that you can to help grow them as individuals and grow them in their career. That's our show. And thank you for listening to another episode of Insights. If you found this episode valuable, we would love to know. You can message Matt or Brad on LinkedIn to share your thoughts. Have a question for us? You could tweet us at Haley Marketing and let us know what you're thinking or email info at HaleyMarketing.com and make sure you tell them Insights sent you. And of course, if you need a hand with your marketing or recruitment marketing initiatives, we would love to help. You could check out HaleyMarketing.com to get in touch with our team of marketing educators. My podcast partner, Matt Lozar, this is Brad Biley. We'll see you next time.